Hello everybody, you're now listening to the sound of Accra. Um, this is the show where we interview colorful creatives and entrepreneurs with a Ghanaian background or a special interest to the city, bringing you one step closer to Accra. Um, before I introduce my guests that I have on today, um, I'll just tell you a little bit about myself. So I'm an entrepreneur specializing in digital and technology with an interest in property investing. I have an annual event called Diaspora Connect in Accra once a year at the moment and I have a travel blog called LondonToAccra.com to help people navigate Accra better. I've been living in Accra since 2001 and visiting Accra ever since, since I moved back to London. Um, a relocation may be on the horizon. Now, um, just to let you know, you can get the show notes for this podcast by visiting London, londontoaccra.com forward slash podcast or visit the mini site, thesoundofaccra.com. Now, the guest I have on today is an award-winning author and a creative writer. Um, I hope I got that right. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, great. And uh, yeah, he's had his fingerprints in everything from novels to theatre plays. I mean, I don't know what this guy can't do, but honestly, um, this is one of the guests I've been really excited about interviewing. Um, he's accomplished quite a lot. He's been in the game for quite a while now. Also, Ghanaian descent, of course. Um, also from the UK, like me as well, which is great. Um, I'd like to introduce Anyate to the show. Welcome, Anyate. Uh, thank you very much, Adrian. I'm really glad to be on board and um, to have this conversation, to to meet you, uh, meet your listeners, and to talk about writing. I'm always telling people that I'm I'm obsessed with talking about writing and creativity in general, so I jump on every opportunity awesome. I can, to be honest. Awesome. Okay. And uh, I think we actually met at my... Diaspora Connect networking event. Was yeah, it? that's the first one. We, the yeah. first time we met in person. In person, we'd, <laughs> we'd WhatsApp before then. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah. yeah. So if, um, for those of you that who probably don't know, never was aware of, um, there was a WhatsApp group created for the um, the year of return Christmas trip, uh, 2019, and that group had has or had 257 people in it. Can you imagine being in a WhatsApp group with 257 US, UK people all going to Ghana or already in Ghana? Um, it's madness. It's like 300 notifications a day. You can't sleep. You can't drink. You can't do anything. Could you do anything? No, barely, barely, <laughs> barely. Especially because I insisted on reading most of them, if not all. Exactly, yeah. But, you know, in the conversation, you know, there was a whole bunch of people in there. There's a lot of noise, but it's always people that stand out in the crowd. And Anyate was definitely one of those people. Even before I met him in person, you know, after I've, you know, sorry, even before I met him in person, even when I met him in person as well, um, you know, I liked him that little bit more and already I've got my podcast, which I'm really excited about. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I've just told the listeners, Anyate, a little bit about yourself. Um, would you mind just opening a bit more about, about what you do and, you know, and your journey from, from the UK to Of course, to of course, of course. Um, so much, so much. So I'm just going to talk and then you shut me down when I'm taking over your whole podcast with my biography so uh where do i start from okay first of all you said um you don't know what this brother can't do i will full disclosure now one thing i 
Shall I say I can't do I haven't done up until this point is poetry. Yeah. Um so literally every other kind of writing I've I do screenplays, I've got two novels, the really? third novel should um Ancestors Willing drop this year, twenty twenty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If not twenty twenty, then surely twenty twenty one, at which time there should also be a historical novel historical fiction book also dropping yeah. as well so i've got two books in the working right now one okay. that's fiction one that is based on history yeah. but i've fictionalized it for the purposes of storytelling mm-hmm. um so i've been and i've been writing i just realized this year will mark the 10th anniversary of the publication of my first book wow. which means i've actually been writing for more than 10 years congratulations uh, man that's a big you. milestone right it there is, it's it not is. easy man yeah this, this stuff ain't easy um, at all I can imagine with writing, I mean, I'll probably just throw this in. Like, this wasn't really planned, um, but that's the beauty of, of, of doing shows like this. Right. Um, with, the, with the rise of the internet, I mean, there's a whole bunch of content out there. Um, one, I mean, for me, I'm, I love reading. Reading is really my thing. Mm. I'm a content junkie. I'm a news junkie. I don't know if you've heard of Feedly. It's a news aggregator where you can actually, you know, basically um, customize all of the news sources that you get into one platform. So you don't have to keep switching. That reminds me of that, uh, what would you call that? It's like a programming thing. Was it CSS? Some kind of thing which would let you get news as it was posted that you were interested in. What's that called? RSS feeds. RSS, exactly. Yeah, so that's basically how it works. So it will take the RSS feeds from different you know websites and kind of put it together yeah I, I don't know why that stopped the rss because i feel like everybody liked that system but i don't know, i guess <laughs> there's always something wrong with something so i guess that's why that, that, that they stopped doing yeah. that yeah i mean rss feeds i mean they are still going they, are, they do still exist oh, okay. um, but you know i think people tend to be able to pull new sources you know from their own content you okay know, people tend to, you get more kind of user generated content rather than pulling other people's content okay and um, that's what i was getting to i mean how do you I mean, not just making money, but I mean, how do you deal with, you know, the competition out there with writers? I mean, there's a lot of, for example, and this is another thing I was going to try and get to. So, I mean, I've got this, you know, Feely subscription. I even, you know, it's even a paid subscription. I haven't renewed mine yet, but, you know, I'm on a free one at the moment, but I'm going to renew it soon because I'm not really using it for social media at the moment. But anyway, there's a, do you know me? You know Medium? You must have. Yeah, of course, Medium I'm aware of, of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I've got a blog on there. I've okay. written some stuff in there. I'm not trying to plug myself, but I know that what I love about Medium, Anyate, is that I think for five pa- $5 a month, you can get access to anybody who writes content on Medium. And then those of those of you who are writing and are subscribed to their, um, I think their payment re- reward plan and thing or whatever, you get like a, a chunk, a share of the profits, you know, in terms of based on the amount of people that have read your articles okay. and things like that. You know, and then you got Patreon and things like that. Um, that's those are things which I'm really happy about that exist for mm. writers and people like yourselves, like creatives, because I feel like this was this is the other point I was trying to get to that there's so much content out there. I mean, there's so many you know platforms. I know you write novels, right? Mm. There's so many platforms out there where you can actually you know um, access free books and Kindle, Amazon. There's so much out there. Yeah, that's probably another conversation. Yeah. how do you how do you deal with all of that? How do you stand out in the midst of all um, that? How I deal with it is, first of all, not looking... I think you used the word competition earlier, and I definitely don't see other writers as competition at all. Not in a sexy rapper sort of way that, yeah, I only see myself, you know, that kind of thing. But it's literally a matter of we gain more by collaborating more than seeing other people as competition. I think one of the problems that too many African creatives and artists... 
um, set for themselves is by seeing other people who are doing, who are who are practitioners in whatever they do, acting, music as competition. Yeah. When really there's literally billions of people on the planet. There are there's enough audience for all of us um, to, to to partake in whatever it is that we do. So yeah. I definitely don't see other people as competition. I see it as more to gain by corporations. So for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I run um, the Accra Writing Experiment. I returned to Ghana uh, ostensibly in 2013. Mm -hmm. And when I did, I realized that there was no writing groups around. And I used to love being part of writing groups in the UK. Yeah. Um, Which, for any listeners that are not aware of writing groups, is basically what musicians call jamming sessions. People will come together in in one space and then would work with uh, the, the same writing prompt, be it a word, be it a sentence, be it a number of words, be it sometimes an image, and then all the writers in the room would write a, will write a, um, a piece yeah. based on it. And that, that piece can be a blog, it can be a short story, it can be a poem. I've even been in spaces where people have even written songs. So I'm a huge fan of those. And one, because it gives me another opportunity to talk about my write, uh, talk about writing in general, as mm-hmm. I said, I enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. And also because it gives me the chance to write things that I wouldn't normally write. Yeah. Whatever you guys in the world out there do, I'm sure you'd agree that whether you, uh, whatever kind of work you spend most of your time doing or your hobbies, yeah. you do that which your, your experience teaches you to do. It, you do that which uh, your your your, comf- your comfort zone dictates you to do and even if you jump out of your comfort zone mm-hmm. you will then do something that you've been strictly informed to do to leave your comfort zone by whatever self-help book you're reading or whatever but with, a, with, with these writing groups yeah. you end up writing based off of a prompt that might be in that room at that time and then you so you end up writing a piece that you wouldn't normally write mm-hmm. it's you it's you, it's you who you're familiar with your set of experiences but then you end up writing from writing based on an influence that you wouldn't normally be exposed to or that you wouldn't be um, actually, I won't won't use the word pressured, but actually um, requested, required to write off of that prompt. So that's the reason why I do that. um, I do that with the writing groups and why I brought them here, an opportunity to meet other writers, find out what people are doing and whatever it is, whether you find people that are, so so with my, um, apart from my books, with my screenplays, um, I've met people that are also writing historical screenplays and, and have the same kinds of interests as, as mine. But then you find that there's always something about them that means that they're not competition. They're writing something in a, of a particular um, period, of a particular perspective, mm-hmm. that it means that, okay, you're doing your thing, I'm doing my thing. Let me give you some advice. Let me take your advice on what have been your experiences. So in a non-corny, hippie way, yeah. I honestly believe that collaboration is even the next level but just to even communicate with fellow writers fellow creatives literally only makes you stronger because you get imagine. The, the you get the the the, the the totality of their experience and what mm-hmm. they have learned, and yeah. then you also get to share your own perspective with them. So it makes them in their lane stronger. It makes you in your lane stronger. And then very often, what often happens is you meet people along the way who, uh, whether it be actors looking for roles, whether it be, um, uh, I should say, uh, sponsors looking for something that they want to work with that is not of your style. Yeah. You're able to direct them and say, okay, you know, I'm either busy or 
this is not I'm not I, w- I won't be in the best position to put this your way to, to, to do this yeah. um, correct piece um, for you because obviously I work freelance as well yeah um, then you can direct other people there so I really believe that knowing other writers work with other writers is mm-hmm. a better way to go as far as uh, rather than seeing them as competition wow okay I mean that's quite powerful yeah I mean having all those writers in, in, in the group I mean iron will only sharpen iron and I'm sure there's no limit to what you guys can do and just bouncing off each other's ideas and yeah. just strengthening, you know, each other's weaknesses and mm. vice versa. Um, that's that's pretty powerful. You know, um, I like coming across initiatives like this and I think we do need a lot more. Mm. Um, the writers that you do come across, you know, the type of content that they write, is it, would you say it's more kind of novels is it, is it fiction non-fiction is, is it african it's a nice mix it's a really really nice mix i've got writers that uh, consider themselves activists okay. so their writing is very african or very black yeah. uh, and then you've got those who um see themselves as as writers before 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 being black yeah. or writers before being african and so they see their writing as as, as as very universal and um, not speaking to uh, any particular cultural origin, if you like. So I meet a good mix. Um, as far as actual format, I know a couple of novelists. And uh, let me shout out. She has such a long name. Let me see if I can remember of it. Nana Ofori Atta. Shout out to Nana Ofori Atta. That's yeah. not a long name. No, 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 no. It's, I, I've missed out a bit. I've missed out a bit. It's Nana Ofori Atta. Something. Oh, okay. It's not all, but she um, released a book just in December past, yeah. which I'm struggling to remember the name of. But she runs in Ghana something called Anno Gallery. Anno Gallery. Anno okay. Gallery. Yes. Yeah. So actually, uh, that's where I finally got the opportunity to watch. She did a a, a special screening of Farming. Okay. That film. I don't know if you've heard of that film. Farming. Um, no, 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 I haven't heard of wow. I know most of you at home right now are thinking uh, I've never heard of him. But actually, if you when you Google the name you'll recognize his face. He's one of those actors who you've seen, but you didn't maybe know his name. Um, Don't uh, worry, guys. We'll yeah. Yeah. Ad- so. mm-hmm. um, yeah, so he just made a film called Farming, okay. which you may have seen the tra- uh, trailer of or the poster of. It's basically biographical about his life in 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 um, growing up in, in, in Britain. Okay. Um, of Nigerian origin. Okay. Uh, adopted by white parents or, yeah, fostered, dashed, adopted okay. by, by white parents. And I'd heard of this film but obviously being based in Ghana. I was thinking, when are we going to get to see it? Because most of the films that get to, s- get screened in Ghana are these kind of super Hollywood movies. Yeah. Um, if any independent film at all makes it to screens in, 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 Accra, in Accra cinemas, it's going to be um, our own made in Ghana films or maybe yeah. the occasional Nigerian film as well. So I was really glad that this opportunity came up to, to watch that screening. So that happened at her, at, 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 um, at Nana's, at Nana's space. Really? And so I met her, she's, she's come to a couple of screen, um, at Cry Writing Experiments. We've hosted it at her venue as well. Amazing. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, like I said, it's um, nothing but um, a good thing, the opportunity to collaborate with with other um, other other writers. That's brilliant. Okay. And is this this film is it Hollywood based or is it? Um, I'm not sure where all this funding came from, but it's um, it's all made in it's all set in Britain. Britain. Okay. Uh, apparently, there's one scene in Nigeria. Okay. Um, and there are other scenes set in Nigeria, but actually filmed in Britain. Okay. So yeah. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah, he's actually he's Hollywood based. Okay. You'll see from his his IM his IMDb. He was in uh, I think he played Crocodile or Alligator. I can't remember what the name of the crocodile the character was in um, mm-hmm. Suicide Squad with Will Smith and all that. Okay. Um, okay. And he's been in Hollywood as far as I know since okay. Oz. He was in Oz. He was in Lost. All these. All these he's in Game of Thrones. Uh, yeah, Game of Thrones, which was also filmed in Britain. So mm-hmm. yeah, he gets around board identity. I'd even even I didn't know Game of Thrones was was filmed in Britain. I mean, yeah, because it was filmed in Ireland for the first few seasons, really? and in England for oh, okay. the second two, the last two, I should say, oh, or something like that. But yeah, Google it. Um, don't quote me on that. <laughs> allegedly, <laughs> I didn't allegedly, so nobody comes to. <laughs> I'm not really a uh, Game of Thrones fan, but okay. um, you know, there's I know there's so many fans out there of Game mm-hmm. of Thrones, so I'm not gonna really talk to. Yeah, much. he only had a cameo people. So if you're thinking of a character, the guy that had a huge character, I think he played a, a slave slaver. Or something like that. Um, yeah. So yeah, he wasn't. He only had. A, he wasn't in it for a couple of episodes. Okay. Great. Okay. Um, let's talk about some of your novels. Actually, I mean, I went through some of the work you've done. It's quite an exhaustive list. I mean, not just novels. I mean, we could, everything from theatre plays to, to to TV series to films. Just everything, really. Um, to, some of the novels you've written. I mean, I look, I'm not really familiar. I've not read a lot of. African-based or novels, I would say, or novels that have been written by kind of more independent, I would say, uh, writers. Um, I think I remember when I was growing up. I, I mean, I'm sure you remember that book, and Nancy the Spider. <laughs> I think everybody knows that. Yeah, we've all think, read one version. I, I know, right? Book. Yeah, um, I think that's the only book I remember. I'm sure it's very small. Um, that I remember that I was African kind of descent. To talk us through some of. You know the novels that that you've that you've written that you're quite that you're quite proud of. Yeah. So uh, so far, I've got two novels out. Um, the first one was called "What Do You Call It." Okay. Uh, the th- second one was called Mensa, or is called Mensa, I should say. Yeah. Uh, and then the third one, uh, subject to publishers and everything else, of course is called uh, For the Republic of Hackney. <laughs> I, that's one that stood out. I, mean, I was waiting yeah. for you to mention that one. That's one that stood out. Yeah, so that's the one I've set. My, my publishers just sent me the notes back for that recently. So I'm planning to get back on that next month okay. to actually start working through um, edits and, and, and notes that I've gotten from my publisher for that. Okay. Um, so, but for the actual books that uh, a listener can actually go out and, and get right now, depending on when they're listening to this. Yeah. Um, what do you call it? Is uh, my like I said, my my original novel. That's the the, the thing that got it all started. Mm-hmm. And when I look at my bio, it's crazy that one book got it started. Um, and when I started, I didn't know what exactly it was I was writing. I didn't know if it was going to be a screenplay. I didn't know if it was a book. I didn't know if I was a writer by then. I just really fell in love with the idea of becoming a writer. Once I sort of finished university, I wasn't able to get a job. I was working in a bookshop in, in London, an American bookshop. Okay. Uh, Borders. Borders. I don't know if you remember those. Massive. They were around for about three, four years in Britain. Mm-hmm. And then they sort of closed down. Uh, apparently they're not even really in America anymore. I'm not sure now. I've got to Google that to confirm. But I mean, for me, it was my idea of heaven. Um, I've always loved libraries, and then this seemed to me like a library, four floors, but all the books were new and pretty much new. So that helped me fall back in love with writing and really learning about how many other kinds of books there were apart from the books that we were forced to read basically in school and all the symbolism and all the essays we had to write, which puts most people off of literature. 
you know most of the people who as adults are put off reading and have to sort of get back into the habit of reading it's yeah. because of what they experience at the hands of teachers and, <laughs> and, and, and grades and all this kind of thing yeah um so uh, so what you call it was is uh, a story about a 22 year old who um is not taking university very seriously he um is about pretty much about to flunk out and he gets into a into a exchange on the street with um uh, what i call in the book the british national front okay which is of course an amalgamation of the national front and the bnp <laughs> um both both of which are now quite quiet yeah uh, politically, but then you've got uh, the EDL, mm -hmm. the English Defence League. Um, I think you're speaking to the wrong person. Uh, I think EDL, but basically, whatever happens in Britain, there's always going to be a right wing, oh, we white people have to protect ourselves with violence sort of organisation. You yeah. know, they'll use pretty words sometimes, but that's pretty much what they stand for. And right now it's EDL, but in the past it was either the National Front or, 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 or British National Party. Okay. And so they, he gets into a violent altercation with these guys. Um, in which he's supposed to die they tried to kill him and he not only survives but actually one of them in the course of their um uh, their, their violent attack actually ends up dying oh, so the character has to return to ghana to hide out <laughs> and that's what the premise and the story is um okay. the incident what leads to the incident things that are happening in the background uh, what he, uh, happens while he's in Ghana mm -hmm. and then obviously all as the truth starts to come out about everything that's gone on there's a you know it all, all leads to what I hope is a very interesting ending okay. so that's what that, that that's what that first book is about and looking forward to that the story the title of the story the, the, the title of the book is kind of speaks to how varied and wide-ranging the book is like what do you yeah. call people say what, what, what kind of book is it? What, what genre is it and if I'm talking about genre I couldn't really tell you what that first book genre is um, hence you know what do you call it yeah. um, as well as that there's also the, the expression that we Ghanaians use when we're trying to remember a word especially those of our parents generation try to remember a word from their parent language or from their adopted language <laughs> and they'll say oh what do you call it you know while clicking their fingers so there's that aspect yeah and then uh, there's what you call it as well, uh, a little nod to the Wiley, Wiley grime tune by, <laughs> by the same title, what do you call it? I think it was one of the first songs that made grime kind of like the national institution in Britain that it became and is now becoming international on the yeah. backs of the likes of Stormzy and things. So yeah. that was kind of like that relationship between that kind of like the urban life that my character was uh, was leading that's interesting um, and the part of Britain he was from of course East London being mm. the birthplace of grime and stuff so there's a couple of reasons for the title of that okay. and that has really followed me through my styles of writing I feel like my writing always has like a couple of layers to it okay always have a always has a couple of messages to it um, and yeah my characters have a way of addressing um negative scenarios negative situations that won't be the way that most characters or most human beings might deal with the situation yeah. um, so this is a very serious situation with a uh, racist violent thugs um, but my character doesn't deal with it with any of the kind of what am I going to call it melodrama or or high sort of um 
tension stuff, that mm-hmm. suspense that it might get dealt with in, in, in other creative works. So it's kind of like that off, I call it a kind of offbeat writing style. Yeah. No, I think it sounds different. I mean, it's there is a place for that type of writing. Um, shout out to the grime artists hailing from Ghana. You know, you've got the Lethal Bizzles, the Stormzies, you know, people like that. Even, uh, was it? Uh, Tinchy Strider, Tinchy Strider. Tinchy Strider. Okay, I don't, know, I don't know where that guy is these mm, days. Yeah, but yeah I, mean, I mean, there's a lot of uh, Ghanaian-based grime artists, you mm. know, from Ghana. Mm. Um, I think we even had a few down recently in Accra, actually, mm. investing, which is good. Yeah. And the um, UK rap guys as well. The, yeah, um, big up to them. Uh, Jay Huss, <laughs> um, Kojo Hustle, all those kind of guys. <laughs> there's so many of them. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah, even definitely. lost count. Yeah. Um, but no, Kodra Funds, sorry, not Kodra Hustle, Kodra Funds. Kodra Funds, okay, okay, okay yeah. I mean, I, I can't keep up all these people. Yeah. Um, not that it's the kind of music I listen to all the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, would you would you say some of these books you've, you know, you're working on or you've written, you know, what, what do they know? Um, and then the, the one regarding Hackney, would you say that these have been influences taken from your own life? That of course. That you put into, into play? Of course, yeah. I mean, most treaties on, on, on writing... Um, argue that all characters in the people's books are the writer themselves. Yeah. Um, which is it's a scary thing to think about because you're writing about characters, sometimes bad guys, villains, people who you really don't respect. But yeah. of course, it's all stemming from within your set of experiences and how yeah. you perceive the various antagonists in your life perhaps yeah. to be. So yeah, definitely um, there's something biographical to everything I've written. Um, even the Nkrumah biopic I've written recently mm. not only is it set in of course Nkrumah's era which was the sort of 1920s through to the 50s and Ghana independence yeah. but even there there's sort of biographical take on it because he was in London and much of what I'm uh, much of how I'm rendering his experience is 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 sort of through my lens of not only how I came to meet London in the 80s yeah. but what I read and hear about what London was like in the 50s. Mm-hmm. So um, I have in Krumah's perspective, he, he, one of the great things he did, one of the many great things he did was to leave us a lot of books for us to really be able to know what his mentality was, what we can learn from him and so on. And yeah, so I have all of that to know about how he felt about his time in both America and Britain. But then I've got my own perspective on London that I, I'm also able to sort of add what I think are, are some layers to to his experiences there as well. So yeah, definitely there's a biographical aspect to it. Um, I I hope as um, what I consider to be a good writer, I'm able to sort of set a balance that I don't make it all about me, but I'm definitely not going to try and be disingenuous and say that no, yeah. it's all about the subject matter, it's all yeah. about the story, definitely. Um, my politics, my perspectives, yeah. my judgments definitely play um, big parts in, in, in everything I write. Yeah. No, I mean, I totally understand where you're coming from. Um, it seems like you've you've taken influences from so many sources. I mean, your time in UK, living out in Ghana. I mean, it's been, it's been a number of years now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, living out in Ghana, uh, probably reading out in the UK, reading out here you know, the writers that you meet, the people that you meet, the, you know, the things that you watch. Um, I mean, I, I guess I'm starting to see the picture that you're painting in terms of your, your, your work, your, your work of art, and you know, it does sound really great. I'm looking forward to get, getting my hands on some of your content. Uh, Kwame Nkrumah, I mean, I mean, he's definitely one of those people up there. Um, I think on Netflix, I think there was a uh, 
there's a TV series called The Queen. Are, are, you, are you aware of that? Yeah. And I think there's an episode of Kwame Nkrumah in there, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. What's your take on Kwame Nkrumah? I mean, I think some people call him a villain. Some people call him, you know, a hero. I mean, I mean I'm sure you've read some of his, his biographies. I mean, I've got, there's actually one that is read. I can't remember what it's called. Um, I'm still meaning to read it, but I think my, my, my father has it in his study. But mm. yeah. What's your what's your take on Kwame Nkrumah? Was he you know did he uh, you know do you think he was a good guy or do you think he was a villain? Was he... Nkrumah, Kwame Nkrumah was a a visionary yeah. of the type we don't have anymore on the continent yeah. uh, to look up to. Um, so I've written I've written so I've read all the books he's written except. Letter, uh, letter to Rhodesia. No, no, no. The Rhodesia file. That's the name of that book. The Rhodesia okay. file, where he's specifically speaking about what we today know as Zimbabwe. Okay. And that's the only book I've only been able to browse that at the British Library. I haven't had a chance to sit down and fully read that. Yeah. Um. So nobody that would not only not only that nobody that would read his books and look at his list of achievements would call him a villain. Uh, what you get from people who sort of do have an understanding of what he did and then what some will consider some of his um, his extremes um, yeah. is that he either let the power get to his head too much or mm-hmm. he, um, I don't know, he lost sense of his sort of balance that he sort of started out with which yeah. is what people are able to debate. I mean, I always say now that I, at, at, at my point in, in being an activist and in being a Pan-Africanist, yeah. um, and the amount, of, the amount I know specifically about Kwame Nkrumah and those who are impressed with him, I learn as much about Nkrumah from books written by his enemies as I do by people that were his followers. <laughs> That's because quite I'm very interested in what people have to say about Nkrumah that is negative and why it's negative so some of one of the key reasons i see listed um for why um Nkrumah um is it what some would call a, a, a great or a hero is that he was ahead of two ahead of his time he was mm. he, he 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 was too ahead of his time mm. which is a, a sound sound criticism you could yeah. say um but then at the same time for the man to know where things were going it's a criticism but at the same time a compliment you know what I mean because um, ideally the man would have known okay this is where we're going but this is maybe how we should balance it out yeah Um, and this is how we can make it how we can get there realistically Um, as it was um, he uh, most proponents of him of his including myself um had a, a sound vision of what africa had to become to be able to defend ourselves own our own resources yeah. um respect ourselves mm-hmm. uh, he knew what we would have to do to get all of that done but he underestimated the present he underestimated those who were fully ever satisfied with the present or actually wanted to return to a colonial power structure. Yeah. He underestimated 
those mentalities. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you underestimate those mis- those uh, those mentalities, what does that say um, about sort of the way you're looking to proceed? You know what I mean? Yeah. So with the people that we, we, we call visionaries now, I find, uh, who do we call visionaries? Say even like a Steve Jobs. Yeah, Elon Musk. Um, he, yeah, these guys, these these guys were visionaries, and they were able to make it work for the time that they were in. Yeah. They failed a couple of times, and they made it work. People are buying their products. I'm not, of course, comparing um, consumerism of iPhone to Pan Africanism or anything. You can't do that. But the sort of the, the mentality <laughs> around knowing what your audience can can handle, or this other kind of thing. Yeah. And then you've got the likes of somebody who wanted to be a visionary, like the guy who invented the uh, that car, the car that they used in Back to the Future. DeLorean. Oh, okay, the Delorean. Okay. I, I, I can't remember the guy who invented. That. Yeah, I can't remember his name either. But he had. Well, he you, was kind uh, of like the Steve Jobs are, of his era. Are you era. talking about the, the actual fictional character that made that made it? Yeah, who the, actually? No, no, the real man that actually made the Delorean. The man, actually made the man oh, who actually right. did that. Okay. He wanted that to be like the car of the future. Like you know, yeah. the, the, the you know, he wanted it to be on, you know, like a, a popular car. But as it as it turned out, nobody bought the car. <laughs> um, uh, it's just really really terrible. Um, uh, parallels I'm drawing but that's for me could be the only criticism of Nkrumah not um, understanding the nature of the threats um, around him um, and around those that wanted Africa to not achieve the heights that he was trying to take it to so yeah, yeah. I always have I'm always having really interesting debates with those that um, criticize Nkrumah because they know they see me as an Nkrumah fan <laughs> rightly so um, so I'm able to have debates, and because I've read so much on those who have no time for him, both from economic perspective, from yeah. a political perspective, so I'm able to sort of I'm able to hold my own in any debate. So about yeah. yeah, he's so many. I mean, when I was in school in Ghana, um, I learned so much about what he did for the country, mm. and it's a shame that we don't have visionaries like that. But yeah. Anyway, we're not going to talk too much about politics. Mm. Maybe that'll be for another podcast. Mm. Um, we can bring you back in. But yeah, um, those of you who are interested in reading some of Kwame Nkrumah's books, novels, um, biographies, etc., um, I'll have some links in the show notes for you. Okay, and um, obviously, you've, you, I know you, I know you've worked on some some theatre plays as well. National theatre That's one place I've never actually been I've okay. always wanted to go I know they do comedy But they also do plays They do a whole bunch Of stuff there um, Have you done Have you been there before And have and has any of your work um, Ended up there I mean I know you um, What do you call it You did some I know you did one thing You worked on called Did we, did we get the president is, mm. is that Is that something that, that That's completed um, Yeah that was a um, the, the plays I've had Five plays If okay. I'm right um, put on in Accra. Okay. Um, none at the National Theatre as okay. yet. One was at um, University of Legon, uh, the F. W. Sutherland Studio, F. W. Sutherland Theatre. Okay. At at uh, at at uh, the University of Ghana. Yeah. Um, that's big. I mean, that's pretty big. That was co- that was at the Ake. That that was like a an adaptation of the the Wallace Inca, um biographical book Ake. Okay. And then I've had four plays put on by uh, a company called Accra Theatre Workshop. Okay. Um, and so those are the plays I've sort of done. Um, I've enjoyed myself immensely. Oh, and radio plays as well. I've done a couple of. Um, mm. So I, we actually recorded a radio play at One Extra. I saw that actually. Yeah, I cannot remember I the, 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 
the the run up to it, but basically it was some sort of initiative that um, the BBC was doing as far as what radio. You know how Radio Four does a lot of radio plays. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Um, I think they wanted it was going to be like a quote unquote urban sort of radio play <laughs> that were going to come through one extra. Okay. You know? um, I don't think it really ever took off. Um, but that was the conversation at the time. That was how we were able to get into the. Did uh, they One reach Extra. out to you? Did they reach out to you for that? Or, or uh, it was somebody that was working. Somebody that was working at One Extra at the time. Okay. Um, and so the play was about um, the rise of of private um, private prisons in Britain. Private prisons. Private prisons in Britain. So wow. it's a quite a short play. It's um, okay. focused on a conversation between a bunch of young black men. On, in transit to a prison facility, so okay. you know they're in like a, they're in a, a prison yeah. van, yeah. Um, and yeah, so that's you know, that was what that play was sort of centered around. So I've done a few plays, okay. like the National Theatre. Yeah, the National Theatre. I have been there. I've seen a couple of plays. I've attended uh, concerts there, mm-hmm. and I've also attended um, creative arts council forums. Okay, that they always host there, usually in the, sort of the foyer of the National Theatre. Um, It's a really, really interesting space. Mm. Um, You know, anybody listening to this, if they're not based in Ghana, not familiar with it, they can Google it. Um, Really interesting architecture. I love the architecture. I think it's one of Ghana's um, national treasures. Um, National Theatre, I think it's under, I think it's underrated. I think it I think, is underrated. I think people don't go there and uh, you know enough as they should. Yeah. I mean, I know. I think it's Ebba White, one of the comedians. I think he has a lot of stuff going on there. And, yeah. You know, I mean, I think people hear about more of a comedy than you know other than for other reasons. Yeah, know? I, I think, think he does art, the creative arts. So a series of plays there. I think every quarter or so. I think that's how his how his business model is set up. Yeah. Yeah, Uncle Ebba White. Um, <laughs> but yeah, unfortunately, it's underrated. Not just because we underestimate interesting architecture in general yeah. but it's also underrated because unfortunately the machinery to get plays in there as it stands right now is really expensive yeah. you don't have the sort of setup in that you do in, in Britain with the National Theatre there or even these sort of smaller places like the Young Vic and so on where there's a kind of funnel system from grassroots poets uh, poets or playwrights yeah. um to those kind of theatres they're always on the lookout and then if your play gets picked up if your content is the right kind of content for the British audience of course yeah. there's all that kind of gatekeeping that happens yeah. but at least eventually people whatever their content is whatever your criticisms of their content might be yeah. their, their, their work is able to get out there yeah. into the play and, and their their, their, their you know the, the actual rent hiring of the theatre their costs um everything is subsidized by you know kind of like arts council and all that kind yeah. of thing of course, and we yeah. don't have that here uh before you can knock on the national theater's door yeah. you need to have a war chest of uh, i'm not going to put the number out there because i don't yeah. know but it's going to be a, a lot of money yeah. that of course most playwrights are not going to have yeah. you you're going to pay in your own actors and you have to have an assured business model to make sure that you you will market um your tickets so that all your costs get covered at the theatre and then you get some sort of money back to pay your actors and all this other kind of, of thing. Course, so, yeah. um, the, it's harder. It, <laughs> it's much harder to get um, plays put in a national theatre, basically. Not, not to mention them themselves making some kind of money as well. 
Uh, well, no, with, with the natural fit, you, you're paying to hire the place. Yeah, okay. So you'd pay you'd all the costs of AC, oh, and really? paying for the staff. Really? Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So th- as, for, as long as you got their, their hiring space for them, the, then that's the, that's the first thing, and then you okay. can do what you, you like. Do what in you there. want. Okay. Yeah. So unfortunately, like most of our public spaces in, in Ghana, yeah. it's uh, the, the churches. <laughs> the churches hold a lot of sway in those places. So yeah. what you'll see a lot of the time when you're passing the areas. Um, some sort of church program happening there which is yeah. in some way sad because um, many would argue that the church isn't a, a theatrical institution um, so why is it in a national theatre but it's a conversation for another day oh cool you definitely um, that's a conversation for another day for but sure. <laughs> um, it's also something for us to take inspiration from to say that listen if these guys what are these guys doing right how are they able to fill up um, these theatre spaces that we, the creatives, yeah. are, are, are worried about filling up. Because if we knew that we could sell 500 tickets at 100 cities each or whatever, yeah. we could get those plays put in there and then we'd find the money to pay the National Theatre. But unfortunately, we are rightly so concerned about um, whether we will, be, we will be able to find the audience for our material in order yeah. to pay the theatre. So it's a kind of, it's something you can analyse from the front around how do we get our things funded or you can represent it from the back say how come we don't have the audience that will guarantee our 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 content will make back its money so this is a question that applies to filmmaking as much as um theater as much as tv making we need and something i'm looking to get into more about creating the audience so that getting our content won't be so much of a struggle because once you've got the audience there and you're able to prove that you've got a um people with aptitude and, and hunger for your content and there's no excuse for not being able to um, get uh, your film or TV show or play funded. So is that a tip, um, Anyete, that you would give to you know those aspiring or existing creative arts or writers, creative artists or writers, sorry, is that if they're looking to benefit or live off or monetize the content that they're creating, that first they need to be able to attract the audience. Uh, or they need to think about the audience that they want to attract and how they're gonna get the audience, the numbers, and yeah. as, as well as just creating the content. Um, how yeah. much harder of a job does it, does it make um, being a freelance or a self-employed creative artist? I mean, how much harder is it? of a job is it I mean being able to, not having to just write your content and just getting paid for it but knowing you have to, you have to go out and find the audience yeah. I mean is, is it a headache and is it tough and um, how much of a job is it yeah um, that's two questions really <laughs> so the first part of the question yes my advice is to um, tell the creatives to fight, think about our audiences um, it's all fair and good and, and, and necessary in fact to criticise the powers that be, whether yeah. you're in Britain, um, so I should say in the West or on the continent, that yeah. we, to criticize the powers that be for um, whatever prejudices and so on that they have, um, not giving us the support to get our stories out into the public realm. That is a necessary conversation and it will be an ongoing conversation, I'm sure. Um, so we need to have that conversation. But in addition to that or, 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 or parallel to that, we also need to be thinking about, okay, so those are the facts on the ground. Yeah. Um, in the West, Europeans are not going to want certain African stories to come out. It's a fact. This, this is known. Um, mm-hmm. or in, on the continent, 
um, there isn't going to, there just isn't that interest in the, the creative arts um, until something's like a guaranteed hit. True. So those are also facts. Yeah. So what are we going to do in the meantime? We can we can um, complain about it and have those useful conversations, which are very useful, as, as I would definitely keep saying. <laughs> but what are we going to do with the reality being that um, we're on our own, essentially? Yeah. So then we have to think, okay, then what am I actually going to do to create my audience? Because yeah. um, in you creating your audience, you get to find, that that's the ultimate democracy as far as the creative world. You have your audience, you have people that you know are interested in your voice. Yeah. Now you can then set about um, giving the audience what they want and leveraging content um, out of um, out, out of uh, people that can help you, whether it be um, theatre owners, whether it be um, production companies and so on. And then coming coming to your second question yeah. uh, about the freelance thing. Actually, freelance, um, most people will find, I'm sure, wherever they are in the world, freelance actually takes away all the pressure. Yeah, because with does. the freelance work that you're doing, it's... Um, it depends. I, I do all kinds of freelance work to help keep my lights on here okay. in, in Ghana. Mm-hmm. So I've done... No light-offs here. No, there's light-offs here as well. Even when there's light-offs, you still have to pay electricity bills. People will tell you that. <laughs> um, so yeah, with the, with the freelance work, I've done all kinds. I've done the creative freelance work. So I'm writing other people's screenplays, yeah. other people's um, uh, sort of monologues, uh, public speaking things. Um, other people's sort of television ads I've done all kinds of commercial copy as well Brilliant. but other than that there's sort of the, like, the non-fiction non-creative stuff so I've done a lot of website content for people um, I've done a lot of sort of articles promotional articles based on uh, SEO Okay. Um, which I, I'm, I'm terrible with but they okay. tell me the words that the article should contain okay. and I write the article the based article. on what it should contain so there's that as well and with, free, with that you get your fee up front or half of it up front depending on the kind of um, client you're dealing with uh, you write it maybe a couple of notes to edit and then you um, you get the you know the remainder of your money, or you move on to the next the the, the next role. So yeah. with that, actually, the, the the freelance aspect is is somewhat easier. But as far as getting those clients, yes, there is a lot of um, hustle in doing that. Yeah. Um, there will actually be you physically visiting businesses and finding out if they need um, if they need uh, a copy written. Um, if they have any sort of promotional plans or manuals yeah. that need writing, so that kind of thing. So there yeah. is that aspect. But um, the sad thing actually is about uh, sort of the non-creative commercial copies that you get paid more per page writing really? those than you do writing scripts okay. for things. So where you will speak to somebody who wants you to write a TV um, or a movie screenplay for them, yeah, um, you'll find that the offer price there is going to be far less than you would get for writing a couple of pages of commercial copy for a furniture company, for a coffee company, for a retailer, that's, that's, all this kind of thing. That's you, you think that's fair? Um, <laughs> it probably, I wouldn't know, I wouldn't know if it's fair. I mean, as a creative, I would say it's definitely not fair. Yeah. But um, as a human being and knowing that there are more people that are going to, and there are more people in this more measurable, those who are going to buy furniture today. Of course. Than those who may watch a movie when it comes out. You can see how it sets up, how, why it's set up that way. Yeah. Um, so it's the reality of it. But the, um, where it balances out is that you enjoy writing the creative stuff more. So exactly. although you get paid less, 
yeah. you enjoy it more and it's uh and it's a it's a more fun role you know you on the day you know days of filming you get to go down to the set you meet the actors um it's just more of that creative experience for we yeah. the artists so it is that whereas with the freelance mm-hmm. commercial stuff yeah there's um like the, 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 the payday is higher but then that's it once once you've submitted it and they've approved the script that's it there's no there's no sort of um cultural payload where you feel like yeah you've contributed to um fun or decent or interesting storytelling in ghana today okay wow okay well that was that was quite a handful there um so i think that's some good tips from Anyete in terms of monetizing your content uh, I'm sure we'll have some links in the show notes regarding where you can uh, go on go on and get money for free like for, for your freelancing so I'll have some links in terms of that you can visit in the show notes okay and um, I want to kind of segue into some some other your some of some of your other work so what I've seen here is You've got some de- interesting developments. Um, Ghana Jalof as Nigeria Jalof. That that made me laugh when I saw that. This is like, has the war not ended yet? Nah, I, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't think it ever will. Um, the concept for that, that that is literally only at treatment treatment stage. Okay. Um, it's a movie actually not set in Ghana. It's set in West Africa at all. Okay. It's actually set in East Africa. This is actually a business idea for anybody that would want to pursue that. Um, it's actually set in the East of Africa. Okay. East of Africa where Jolof isn't the inst- institution that it is in West Africa. Okay. So um, two West African families, one Ghanaian, one Nigerian, <laughs> find themselves um, stranded in, in, in East... No, no, yeah, stranded basically in, in East Africa. <laughs> And um, the storyline then is based on uh, them setting up businesses um, selling jollof rice. That's amazing. And the competition then that then follows. So um, <laughs> it's food a, wars right there. Yeah, it, it turns into <laughs> the kind of like comedy rivalry. Yeah. Um, that you know uh, is is the is the making of so many comedy movies you know so <laughs> that's definitely one i'll go and watch it reminds yeah. me of the one i don't know if you remember watching my, my wife and kids back in the uk of course yeah and um there's one episode when michael kyle and his family i think they try and set up a chinese restaurant and then they're that there's like a local rivalry with another chinese restaurant across the road and then they just keep cutting the prices down until one of them goes out of business and then they all go out of business or something like that mm. um, that's the kind of imagery he's bringing just yeah. thinking about how this film you know may work out but yeah. Um, yeah I'm looking forward to some of these developments I mean you have a great you know catalogue of work in production or, or completed which I'm really excited about you know some of which I'm looking forward to checking out um, I know you know you've got a good good eye and a good ear for some of this content. I mean, you recommended me to go and watch the Gold Coast Lounge the other day. You know, the first day I met you, you know, you said you're going to go to this premiere, and I went down and watched it. The next day, I was blown away. I loved it. Um, did you did, do you know any of the actors in the film, or did you? you yeah, um, I'm a um, I'm acquainted with um, Alphonse Menyon. Okay, um, that's the one who played the lead. Um, and uh, everybody's a fan of Ajate Anang. He's yeah. the guy who played the 
uh, the, the patriarch of the family. Okay. I think that, that, that role is cool. I called. think it was in that TV series. Is it Things We Do? Is it that guy Things We Do for Love? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, Things yeah, We Do for Love. He was a pusher. Yeah, pusher. Yeah, yeah, I remember pusher. that. I remember that. And so yeah, even at the premiere, when they sort of you know went to the front cinema thing as they do at a at a premiere, um, people were shouting, "Hey, pusher!" You know, so <laughs> even it's one of those uh, for him. It's one of those. Uh, what's that word? Um, uh, iconic is his iconic role so yeah. uh, kind of like fames, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> like uh, David Jason in Britain will always be Del Boy sort of thing he's that know? kind of thing yeah. however you know how many other roles what he gets get, and yeah. he's, a, he's a sir now yeah. he'll always be Del Boy same with um, Ajitia Nang he'll always be Pusher um, even though he's for me he is the finest actor in Ghana mm-hmm. um, yeah mm-hmm. definitely Interesting. epic epic actor he just really brings it's a seriousness to every role that he ever plays. Um, so I was honoured enough to write for some of the freelance um, work I was describing earlier. Yeah. Um, screenplays for um, uh, the second series of a series called Adam's Apples. Adam's Apples. That he was in. Really? Yeah. No. So uh, that's how many episodes did I write of that? I think about six or Brilliant. so episodes. So that was, you know, sort of me um, writing for him. And then Pascal Acker, I'm yeah. a huge, huge fan of his. I wouldn't say that we're friends. We're once again an acquaintance. Okay. And we've met at a lot of sort of film screenings. I've been to a couple of events at his studio space. Mm-hmm over at um, it's, it was at Tessano somebody was telling me that it's moving I don't know if that's correct okay. or not um, but this, this is what the creative scene is like in, in, in Ghana f- um, for those listening not based here all kinds of events sort of pop up sometimes too last minute um, yeah. which is a problem and then pe- just like oh. lots of round tables where creatives get around and talk about yeah. our creative issues and it's opportunities to network and find out people who are looking for projects so that's what we're trying to do a lot m- more of in 2020 link up with other creative get content out there by hook or by crook find people who have exactly. got cameras and are bored and are not able to you know just let's get out of there let's film something exactly. we've got some scripts get some actors put some content out there see what goes viral but always try and maintain something like a quality having integrity so even if it's a short film sketch it has or the sort of cinematography of a of a sort of a more serious film so that little by little yeah. we work our way to a point where there's an ongoing dialogue to say like, listen all these shorts these smaller smaller form content short form content I think yeah. is the official word for those things um, how do we make you know long form <laughs> content how do we get this out there you know because we're seeing that so many of the shorts are going viral here and there and being shared around on people's social media so much so yeah. 2020 look out for that there's going to be a lot of um, things coming out of Ghana that's that's just uh, just the, the rumblings I'm hearing and also what I'm going to be a part of myself so there is going to be a lot of content coming out um, this mm. year in various forms and it's yeah there's no there won't be any more excuses for us being um, very uh recognized by that which would be our audience for the more sustainable uh, longer form content absolutely yeah absolutely well, that, that was great and finally just before we start to bring this to a close um, obviously we talked about you being an award winning uh, writer author um, is it Yellow Cafe Yellow Cafe is that the one yeah Yellow Cafe yeah talk 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 us briefly briefly about that you know. uh yellow cafe was a tv series that i wrote on i wrote quite a lot of episodes for that uh, about 40 episodes and what channel was it aired, aired it on? was aired on gtv really and 
TV free, I believe. Okay. Definitely, def- definitely GTV. GTV. But I understand it was also on TV free. I'm not 100 sure about that, okay. but yeah, definitely GTV. Okay. Um, actually, funny story about that is that it was mostly, or I'll say, 50/50 in Chi, wow. which is one of Ghana, Ghana's national languages. Yeah. Um, are you fluent in tree? But I'm not actually fluent okay. in tree. I, I, I speak... speak no, no, so what, would it, what it was that I, I would write it in English okay. and then the actors would sort of render it into tree. Oh, that, okay. that, that's how that works. So, so that's why it was sort of 50-50 okay. in tree. So some of it would be in English. And then so that one, that taught me a lot, that, 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 that experience about um, writing in a way that actors can render it into another language as, mm. as, as, as they're sort of reading it out as, they, mm. as they're practicing. That's interesting. Um, yeah, so that was actually when I, as a contract I landed when I sort of first arrived. Okay. Um, and yes, that was with, with Farmhouse. Um, shout out to people at Farmhouse. <laughs> uh, Bridget and uh, Ivan Kwajiga. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Ivan Kwajiga is actually the guy who produced um, Things We Do For Love that oh, we were really? talking about okay. earlier. Yeah. Shout out to him. I remember watching that when I was growing up here in Ghana yeah. when I was living here previously. Yeah, so um, yeah, so that's that, that was that. And um, yeah, that was a cool experience. I learned a lot about TV making, filmmaking in Ghana. I was first time I went to uh, NAFTI to see how things um, operate over there. They, they took over a studio for weeks on end and they would just film a lot of episodes all at one time and stuff like that. So, Brilliant. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's great, 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 great stuff. Well, again, congrats on winning an award for that, for that production. Um, to have it aired on those TV channels I think it's quite a big deal in Ghana here um, there's a national TV channel so well done well done yeah. and that was the TV oh, sorry good, so that good, was the sorry I've knocked the microphone there. yeah that, so that was the um, that was the TV that's the award for TV I can't remember what that was I've, I've, it's on my bio just for my own reference as well as anybody else's but um, award wise novels I, my Mensa that's the, my second novel yeah. got an award at the um, Edinburgh International Book Festival I, think I saw uh, that crime what's it called Basically, so it's a crime writing, um, crime writing um, uh, award that uh, I got from it as well. So that's on the novel side of things. Great stuff. Yeah. Okay, would you say moving to Ghana has kind of made you more accomplished as a writer, as an author, as a creative? Have that's a really good question. More than when you were in the UK in terms of in that, in that, in terms of your craft. Oh, that's a really good question. Um, yeah. I would say yes. Like in terms of the connections you've made, you know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, I would say presented. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely yes, because um, anything that adds layers to yourself makes you a better creative, makes you a better better writer, and so yeah. on. And being in Ghana has definitely done that for me. Um, it has added an extra layer. So what? What? Whereas I've still maintained. Um, my British um, connections and people that I know there, <laughs> yeah. I've then added another layer of all the people I know here, as well as a different set of experiences, a different set of perspectives on things. So yeah, it's been fully win-win and and and, and gains um, on 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 that front um, being here in Ghana. So that's definitely an answer. Um, that's definitely the answer. To that where Excellent. you're talking about um, the opportunity to make things, um, that's also a good question. I think to be able to get things on to national television, yeah. yes, I would say that because you know I've left creatives behind who haven't had the opportunity to yeah. to be there. So I've written for free TV vehicles that you know people are, have been able to see on national television here, yeah. um, and. I've been able to sort of write to the African experience in a way that if I was writing to the African experience in the West, I would never be able I, to get I, I there. Imagine, I know one writer I that imagine, yeah. was up until recently writing for EastEnders in Britain. Mm-hmm. And of course, nothing in what she wrote, she's of Nigerian heritage, yeah. nothing of what she wrote spoke to her heritage. So although it was a nice 
experience, and I'm 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 sure it's quite well compensated working for the BBC and everything else. Oh, like must, that. surely must. She it, it didn't speak to her background, so although we can get into those spaces, it yeah. really doesn't reflect anything of her realities. If it re- if EastEnders reflects anybody's reality, that's <laughs> you know that's a, an, another conversation as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, yeah, de- definitely. It, it's, it's, it's being in being in Ghana has has been a, has been a win for me on all fronts. Definitely. Um, as far as um as as, as far as being a creative. Okay. Okay, that's great. And yeah, so I mean, thank you, um, Ayente, for coming on the podcast. Um, just to wrap the podcast up, as I, I said that before, but I think we're really now coming to a close. I mean, it's been some really good conversations here. Um, so in terms of, obviously, you've had more opportunities, you've, you've accomplished more, you've achieved more being here than, than the UK. What's a tip or what's a tip you would give to someone who is planning on re- re- relocating from UK, US or to Ghana that wants to kind of make it in creative arts, for example? I mean, I'm sure you've learned some things, but probably, that probably I think we need another podcast one day. Mm. But what's one tip you would give to someone that, one, that wants to relocate from wherever in the West to, to Ghana? Mm. And one tip for the creatives who want to come out here and, and make something happen? Um, to do your homework, definitely. I think this applies to people who are looking to do creative things or, or not when they return to Ghana. Do your homework because I think the best thing you need to do is to hit the ground running in Ghana. Um, Absolutely. I meet a lot of people who 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 come to Ghana and they say, okay, I'm going to holiday for the first two weeks, three weeks. Yeah. And then I'm going to start trying to work. Yeah. And that's, I, th- I think there's not much advice that I would say is universal um, to come into Ghana, but I would definitely say that's the wrong way to do it. You want to hit the ground running so that you have a bunch of connections. You have a, a bunch of events that you already know that you have to go to. Exactly. A bunch of forums that you're already connected to. Yeah. You're connected to all those things and then you can come to Ghana and then if you want, mm-hmm. for your first three weeks, four weeks, don't contact anybody. Just relax. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> go to your ho- your um, to your Kumasis. Go to the North. Yeah. Go to the Takrady. Whatever you want to do and then yeah. travel around a little bit and see things. Yeah. And knowing that when you do decide to switch on the the faucet if you're from um, America or the tap if you're from UK mm-hmm. to then start okay all the people that I've been speaking to before I landed let me now engage with them I know that this event happens every Thursday I know that this event happens every third Friday yeah. I know this happens every other Sunday I can confirm on social media yeah. and then literally within a couple of weeks you are tapped into a lot of things that, that, that are sort of happening but um, please awesome. don't come to Ghana, Ghana like and, 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 and then do nothing for the first few weeks and then maybe you're planning to spend two months here or something and then think that okay my first month chilling my second month will be um, work because it will take you a a month just to now then start getting connected to yeah. things. So yeah. at least if you've done the homework before you land, you can come <laughs> and then you can do your chilling and then you can connect to things. So please do your homework. Mm-hmm. Um, have a list um, of all your tag words. Um, we we're talking about some RSS feeds earlier. Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah. Have your tag words um, for what your interests are mm-hmm. and then do a search on it in, in your preparation for coming to Ghana. Do 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 it. Do, do a, a daily if possible weekly at least search and then what you will start to do is you will start to see 
people and places and forums and okay so these guys do this thing where they talk about something that i'm interested in okay this actor that i'm following went goes to this thing and then little by little you get a list of events a list of locations a list of influencers yeah. that yeah okay these are the guys i need to link up with yeah write them emails dms if possible yeah and then say, listen, I'll be in town. Lie about when you're going to be in town if you need to. I'm going to be in town. I'd love to link up with you. Um, yeah. Can we do that? And then um, that, that, that's definitely the way forward. Yeah. That's definitely so some homework. good advice. That's definitely some good advice. So essentially homework. Yeah. Um, brilliant. And then just into, and that will probably go f- the same for people that want to excel in, in the creatives as well. It's the same, same, same rules apply, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. Awesome. I mean, no, creatives, definitely. I mean, it's the same. If you want to come and do farming here, it's the same thing. If you want to come and do creativity, maybe with agri- with, 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 with farming, agriculture, maybe you could, I could argue maybe because they're in the more bricks and mortar businesses, those guys are a bit more straight lined and yeah. okay, you could get contacts with them faster than creatives, but that will be negligible. Like you literally cannot bank on it. Yeah. Um, same with real estate, same with um, even mining sort of thing, like, or banking even, you know. I've spoken and, and had dealings with, with all kinds of people who you think, mm-hmm. okay, these are in the straight-laced in- industries. These guys will be on, on time to appoint to meetings. These guys will reply to email. It, it, it doesn't always go like that. So yeah. I would definitely say to... Um, uh, what's the word? Uh, be, be prepared. Do your homework. Um, connect with people as early as possible. Um, and yeah, like I said, know which events hold which event, uh, hold which programs, um, so that even when the thing is not happening, you can go and take a visit, take a look around. Especially if that's what suits your 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 diary, and then maybe pick up um, schedules and and flyers and things that got left behind from there. So. You know, it applies to whatever you're trying to do in Ghana. Please do your homework and um, come prepared and, and and use use social media because um, all the information oh, yes. you need social is going to be on there before you then graduate to the next level. Kind of because LinkedIn is social media, but it's not social media as we know it. So then yeah. from there you can then sort of start finding individual people's names can, in yeah. social in LinkedIn and find out what they're doing and, mm-hmm. and private message them and so on. Awesome, awesome. And here and then. Um, what would you say comes to mind when someone says Accra to you? What would you say to wrap this up? Future. The future, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, because for me, I'm, I'm, I'm an amateur historian or a professional historian, <laughs> depending <laughs> on how you define a historian to be. Yeah. And so, so much of how I look at Accra through the sort of lens of the past, whether I'm looking at Nkrumah's era, whether I'm looking at the 1980s for a spy thriller thing I wrote recently, uh, whether I'm looking at it from the 1800s about my tribe and um, uh, the incidents in history that we, we have dealt with. But all those things I look at in history just show me that with all this resilience and with all this sort of stubbornness we can there's so many things we can take into the future absolutely so um that's definitely um what i'm always taking i, I take away um, i know there's a lot of people that say oh people to, to read history means you're stuck in the past but one of my favorite my favorite adinkra is the asankofa because mm-hmm. of what it represents. It's literally going to the past to take up what you left to move forward with. So That's I'm true. a huge believer in all studying of the past. Um, 
it's literally purpose built for taking you into the future because you're learning from the past. Mm-hmm. You're you're learning things that you didn't know about what is internal to you and all this other kind yeah. of things. So. Because you're avoiding the mistakes that yeah. people made in the past, you know, to, to help you prepare for the future. Exactly. I can't agree with you more. Yeah. Okay. So there you have it. Accra is the future. Um, thank you for coming on the podcast, Anyate, on such short notice. Um, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, I'm on Twitter, of course, Bontri Anyate, G-B-O-N-T-W-I Anyate, A-N-Y-E-T-E-I. And mm-hmm. then I'm on Facebook, same name. Um, and then I am on Instagram with um, my company name, Repat underscore arts repat as in repatriate so r-e-p-a-t underscore arts a-r-t-s instagram awesome brilliant and is there anything that you're looking for at the moment or is there anything you would like to say before we be in the podcast um for those of you whoever um uh, wherever you're listening from um like i said we're looking to make a lot of short form content uh, this year so if you're an actor and you're looking for really cool short scripts that we can film in a day because uh, we, we, we're, we're, we're not going to be able to be paying we're literally just creating a team just to create content mm-hmm. or if you've got um, things that you've written that you'd like to get filmed um, just get in contact you know this year we're putting out we, we, we're looking to film on Tuesday sort out the sound the next day edit on Thursday <laughs> and have it posted quick, quick. on Friday whatever the, whatever the analytics say is the best day to post um, short films or short short sketches yeah. literally get it out there well branded well cinematographed and um, go from there so if you're interested in that kind of thing um, whether you're an editor whether you're an actor whether you have um, a bunch of cameras just rusting away that you <laughs> are looking to work with people on get in touch and let's collaborate and get content out there get get our stories being told in little passable um, digestible we might use the word ways or with the hopes that in future um not even hopes, plans that in the future we'll be able to get those extended and um, get pilots and get whole series and whole feature films made. Yeah, no, that's a big one. I actually wanted to plug this in real quick. So um, there's someone by the name of Kirsty. I mean, I think she's an American, but I think she's currently studying in the UK. Um, she started something very interesting called the Nana Project. I don't know if you've heard about it. I have heard of the yeah. Nana okay, Project. Okay, cool, yeah. great. Yeah, and I think that's something again which kind of ties in with what with some of the the work body of works that you're trying to do i think what she's trying to collect is a repertoire of um stories of people's you know grandmas and grandfathers and you know how they lived their, their, their lives in ghana and what happened and their journeys and experiences i think again that'd be quite interesting to kind of put in some kind of documentary or play and that's just a thought i just wanted to put out there it's quite interesting mm, and definitely but, but and once again Anyate, thank you for coming to the podcast I mean, oh you're I welcome i really enjoyed it <laughs> i really enjoyed it too um you know i we have overrun a fair amount but it's fine um i will make provision for this because i think there was a lot to get through i've got so many more questions and so much more to talk about i think it's fair to say in future we'll probably do another one um again once again guys um all the show notes will be on the website so you can visit london to com forward slash podcast or you can visit the sound of com and all the links and the key points from the podcast will be there and yeah there you have it guys thank you for tuning in and see you at the next one thank you